Okay, for some reason I'm already teary this morning, and I, I don't know why, but um, <laughs> there's tissues in the book. Um, so I'm Shauna, for anyone that I haven't met, um, and it is just a humbling privilege today that I get to introduce you to a friend and a, a sister, um, and Amber. So briefly, I'm trying to get through this without crying, because I don't know why, but I just feel like we've lived a lot of life together. But um, So my husband and I moved to New York City in 2003, and I came kind of sk- kicking and screaming and did not want to be there. And I think it was 2005, I should have confirmed dates, but um, this group of interns came up. Um, God kind of laid it on our hearts to join with a pastor at the time to help plant a church in New York City. And so in obedience and a lot of questions, we were like, okay, God, yes, we'll do that. And one summer, uh, we had about four or five interns come up, college interns, that came up to help us um, kind of grow the church. So help with everything from kids to missions, like literally like handing out things to try to get people just to come in our doors and hear about this church. And Amber was one of those interns. So I I first met her as a college student. Um, We said goodbye after that summer. She went back to school. I don't know all of the the progression, but Somehow in that time, um, during college, God really solidified just a passion for missions for her. Um, And you have never met anyone else that has a fire to uh, spread the gospel of Christ to people all over the world. And so um, she went back and God allowed her to meet a man named Logan and uh, have two boys at the time. And she was pregnant with her third when they were called and asked to come up and join our church, Logan became one of the pastors um, of Apostles Church in the city. So to, to see the whole progression laid out, like there's no question that God's hand was not in it. So to see Amber go from college student intern to wife, to pastor's wife, to mom, and now on mission with us um, planning a church in New York City um, was nothing short of significant. Um, in that whole time, my heart was struggling because I didn't really want to be here. I didn't love the city. It was um, dirty and broken and messy. And Amber came in and, um, like, showed me that that's why I was there. Um, so it's funny how what you think is not good for you, um, there are others that God brings in your life to reveal <laughs> his actual plan. So through Amber um, and the Holy Spirit, leading her, um, she just opened my eyes to what living on mission in the city actually uh, could look like as a family, as a woman, as a wife, what it looks like to submit to God's plan for your life. Um, And I saw her with Grace uh, raise three kids. She's continuing to raise three kids. I think her first apartment was, no kidding, like 200 square feet. Not kidding. And she handled it with such grace. And it was like a five-story walk-up or four and, and pregnant. And now she lives in a five-story walk-up. And I kept thinking, how does she do this? Like with the stroller. And I don't know how she has such joy in her heart because my heart is grumbling all day long. And um, I would say there's been no one as influential in my life um, to view everything we do as a missional opportunity. Um, and I had the privilege of being with Amber. She led a discipleship group for two years um, and just dive into the word. So it is with great honor and a lot of thanks for coming out today that I want to introduce you to my friends and our speaker today, Amber Gentry.
you use the whiteboard? When you <laughs> this works, right? You guys can hear me? Yes? Okay. Oh my gosh, it's such an honor to be here. Um, can you hear me? What should I do? Like this? Closer? Maybe? Like that? Okay, great. Let me know if I should adjust it. Um, thank you, Shauna. Thank you guys for having me here. This is really such an honor. Um, let me pray for us before we start. God, I pray that your spirit would fall here. God, I pray that you would fill us. I pray, Jesus, that you would tangibly heal us and speak to us all the things that each of us individually need to hear, God. Your spirit is in us, um, God, and you search our hearts. God, I pray you would speak to us. Um, God, I ask that we would draw near to you and that you really would be our refuge. And we would not be able to cease from speaking of all your works because of it. God, I pray that um, you would show us how near to us you actually are um, and that we would be so enamored by you. Um, God, I pray that you would teach us this morning about your wisdom. Jesus, you, you embody wisdom and you call out to us and ask, ask us to hear it. Jesus, I pray this morning that we would hear your wisdom. We would listen to your words and find understanding and desire to acquire more. It would be a fire in our bellies to want more and more wisdom because it's more and more of you. God, I praise you that you personify wisdom in Proverbs as a woman. Um, God, I pray that these women would be sage, wise women. Um, that people would come and speak to them and they would hear your words. God, that your wisdom would pour out from their lips. God, I pray they would embody wisdom and that you, in turn, would give them all your benefits that you say wisdom gives. Um, so Jesus, we seek you more than silver and gold and anything else in this earth, God. We seek you, we want you. So God, I pray you would come, empower on us, and speak to us through your scriptures. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Um, awesome. So this morning and today, kind of the theme verse of this day retreat is Psalm 73, 28. As I believe you have it here on your, yeah, on your beautiful program. It says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. The nearness of God is my good. I've made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So my hope for us today is that we would understand more deeply the way that the nearness of God truly is our good. And it sounds like you guys have really been seeking along this topic already. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and that we would see that he is our safe refuge. He is the only place that is safe. Um, and that we would want to find refuge in him. Because we believe so wholeheartedly and experience so tangibly the goodness of being near to him that we would not be able to stop telling of his works and how good he is. Others would draw near to him as well. So that's my hope for us. Um, but yes, like Shauna said, um, we moved to the city six years ago. I was seven months pregnant with my third. We had two boys. 
we did have a 200 square foot apartment. <laughs> um, and, but to come back to New York was kind of a homecoming for me because my grandparents were Italian immigrants. They settled in the Upper East Side of Manhattan and then moved to the Bronx and then out to White Plains. And they lived in White Plains for 45 years. So me being here, surely none of you guys know this, but for you guys to ask me to come and uh, speak the gospel here where I basically grew up, so thank you. Um, in God's sovereignty, he knew that, and that's really kind to me. Um, so I'm, I'm moved by that, just like driving in town. I was like, oh my gosh, this is where my uncle lived. We went to that pool. <laughs> so thank you so much. But um, we did, my husband and I started raising our kids in Austin. Um, and raising our kids in New York is completely different, of course. But, uh, and we didn't live in New York as young singles. And maybe some of you have lived in Manhattan, like early and working and then moved out to the suburbs. We like did the suburbs first and then moved to the city after we had kids. And so, but a lot of our friends are um, younger and they're working full time and they don't really notice kids in the city at all. Um, they're like, I just never see children. Um, <laughs> like, and I live, we live on the same street as my daughter's elementary school, so every morning it's droves of children who are just walking to school, and I see them every day, but they're going to work an hour later, and they come home after happy hour at 7 p.m., they just never see the kids, right? So what I love about having kids in the city, one of the things is that it opens up this whole new layer of New York to me that some people don't see because they aren't in the same circumstance. Um, in the same way as I'm not in their circumstance, so I don't know their layer of New York, right? But um, I feel like that's a lot of the way we see the scriptures sometimes, where we look at the scriptures through the lens of our experience, and so we really only see one aspect of the scriptures. Um, and what God has done for me the past couple years is completely blow my circumstances up um, and show me things in his words, things that I never noticed before. Maybe you guys have experienced, yeah. What? Am I muffling? Tell me. Thank you for helping. Is that better? Is that better, guys? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Is this better? Better not muffled? Yes? Okay, awesome. Yeah. So to see the scriptures and to see the Lord in a way that I never had before in the same way, like, as if you came to Manhattan and had kids, it'd be a different experience if you didn't have kids. Um, what I'm hoping for us is that he would reveal to you who he is in your word in a new way that you kind of haven't noticed before. So there are three things, oh, that is much better, that I'm hoping that he'll open our eyes and minds and hearts to today in his word. Um, one thing is how near he is to us, this idea, this theme of proximity that we see throughout the scriptures. It really is this narrative of proximity to God from Genesis to Revelation. Um, also, and this morning mostly, is the narrative of wisdom, the wisdom narrative throughout all of Scripture, um, where we see what is wise and true, so we might have abundant life. Um, we're going to talk about that a lot this morning. And also, the truth of the kingdom of God, that Jesus is king, that he's ruling and he's reigning and he's conquered Satan, sin, and death. And now we're tasked with bringing the kingdom of God near to others as it is so near to us so they might experience it by God's grace. So this morning we're going to be talking about the nearness of God and his wisdom. And this afternoon we'll talk more about the kingdom of God. So 
Um, go ahead and turn to Matthew 4, if you can. Um, my daughter is five, and she's very cute. She's very tiny. She weighs 30 pounds, and um, she's blonde. She has these deep brown eyes, and she's in kindergarten this year at school, and everyone wants to be her very bestest friend. Just wants to hug her all the time and be near to her. They want to be her partner in line. They want to hold her hand. Um, and sometimes she'll come home and be like, Mommy, everyone wants to be my partner. And <laughs> they all keep hugging me. And they want to be my best friend. And I like them. But sometimes I don't want them to hug me. <laughs> and so um, I feel like it was an opportunity to glorify the Lord. And so talking to her about Maya, that's my daughter's name, if the Spirit of God is in you, then Jesus is in you. And do you remember how everyone wanted to be near to Jesus? Do you remember that? They would flock to him. They would press in on him. Um, they would try to touch him. They wanted to, they hung on every word that he said. Um, and you, Maya, because you have the kingdom of God in you, the Spirit of God, people want to be near you. They don't even know why. Right? And this is an opportunity for you to tell them about who Jesus is and to love them the way Jesus loved them. Right? And so maybe it's not. Maybe it's just because she's blonde and tiny. But I hope, <laughs> you know, that she would be able to start to reveal more about the goodness of God because she already has favor with her um, peers. But we see that about Jesus, right? Everyone wants to draw near to him. They cannot get close enough, and they can't stay long enough with him. And we see this in Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25, where it says, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news spread about him throughout all of Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and through the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So let's look at this list of needs that the crowd had. What is the good that they received when they drew near to Christ? The good that they received was healing and truth. They received truth. That was good that they received from him. The things that were not good were the lies that they were believing, the sickness and the pain that they had. Those things are not good. But as they drew near to God, they received this good, this healing, this truth. And you wonder, did they come to him for new rules or rituals? No. They came to him for new and abundant life. They wanted to be near to this God. So what did they draw near to Jesus for? They drew near to him to have their greatest needs met. Needs that they could not meet themselves, right? Diseases that needed a cure. Questions that needed an answer. And so as we draw near to God, let's ask ourselves, what do we need? What are our greatest needs? And I would argue from the scripture, and the scripture that you read this morning from Psalm 103, that our greatest needs are healing and salvation and wisdom. And I feel like we, as the church, leave out wisdom so often in understanding what we need, where we think, I know I am broken. There is healing that I need, and I must come to Jesus to receive that healing. And by God's grace, our eyes are open to how wretched we are in our sin 
and how much we are in need of his salvation to pour out on us, for him to trade our unrighteousness for his righteousness, for him to impute it on us and cover us with his blood, we need to be saved. But do we understand how much we need wisdom? I don't know if we do. Looking throughout scripture, how God talks about wisdom, it's surprising to me, and it has been more and more over the past 10 years, how much we need it, but how little we know about it. What is it even? What is wisdom, and how do we get it? So first we ask ourselves, who saves us? Who saves us, who heals us, who teaches us? God in Christ, by the power of the Spirit, clearly, right? So healing, when we need healing, where do we go? First, do we understand our brokenness, and can we diagnose it? But when we see it, where do we go? Do we say, I can fix this? Or do we draw near to God? We're not going to speak quite as much about this healing piece this morning, but I think it's crucial for us to see first how people drew near to God when they didn't know how to be healed. And my hope is, for, a, for you as a church, is that when you see your brokenness, you will draw near to him to be healed instead of drawing more into yourself thinking, how can I fix it? But instead, you were drawn near to him together so that your brokenness might be healed. And I, um, who knows Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This is the first scripture I ever memorized. But after Proverbs 6 and 7, I mean, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, is verse 7 and 8. Do you guys know that? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your bodies and refreshment to your bones. My husband walks my boys to school every morning. It's just about 10 blocks. Um, and he'll memorize scripture with them and make up songs. He's not musical, in fact, at all. And so <laughs> and he like just puts the scriptures to a tune that somehow sticks in your head, and this is one of them, so I won't sing it for you, but I would encourage you to memorize this verse and have it like wash over you and for you to think, how do I need to be healed? And do I need to be healed because I'm not fearing the Lord? Am I not turning away from evil, and in fact, that's why I'm not being healed? How can I fear the Lord and turn away from e evil, for it will be healing to my body and refreshment to my bones? So our greatest need, healing. The second one, salvation. And speaking about salvation in this sense as justification, right? He has made us righteous. It's just as if we never sinned. That word justification, it's a legal term. It's as if you were in court and the judge said, not guilty. Someone else has paid your debt. We need that salvation, right? And we attain it by God's grace through faith. And with this lens of salvation, of justification throughout scripture, which we mostly as a church, I feel like, look at the words of Christ and the words of the New Testament and Old, we look at the scriptures through the lens of right and wrong, which is good. It's true. There is a right and a wrong. And we see this judicial declaration throughout all of scripture that God is right. He is just. Um, everything he does is right. Um, and so we see this diagnosis of right and wrong throughout all of scripture. But that's not the only lens. But yet, somehow I feel like we stay there 
because it is so glorious that God has made us righteous, we can't get over it. We shouldn't, right? But at the same time, if we only look at things through the lens of right and wrong, sin or not sin, we're missing something. And we become judgmental because it is a language of judgment, right? Where God has judged, he is judge, he is righteous and judge. And so if we're only looking at actions and thoughts and desires through the lens of sin and not sin, then we tend to make a lot of laws and we tend to make a lot of rules. And, but what we see in the scriptures is that, is that God has given us this narrative of wisdom so that we might not fall into the temptation of making rules and regulations and laws for ourselves, just as humanity has done throughout all of eternity, like since the beginning of when they were made, right? God has given us this grace of this wisdom narrative to see things also through the lens of wisdom and foolishness, where right and wrong is a declarative statement. It's a, ju- it's a judgment, which can be on every action. But wisdom and foolishness speaks about results. What is the outcome? Where is this action going? What will it produce? Um, And we see that throughout all of Proverbs and really throughout all the scripture. So let me give you an example. Um, My car in the parking lot over here is completely busted because we were driving down the FDR last weekend and a motorcyclist was driving next to us and was doing the swerve between the cars thing on the FDR of all places. So it kind of nicked his wheel on his buddy's wheel and flew out of control, slammed into our car, and then flew off across three lanes of traffic. His bike like shoots up 50 feet. I'm in the car, with, right? <laughs> like, Logan's driving, my son's in the back playing video games on his iPad. We see the bike shoot up with no rider. We know we aren't, we're on the FDR, and we're like, when we look back, what are we going to see? And we look back, and he's sitting there on the FDR, like bracing himself, like waiting to be hit by a car. And no one hit him. He was completely safe, as if there's this angel bubble around this man by the grace of God, right? So look at that, that circumstance. Do you say, you are a sinner for driving your bike in between the cars like that, you know, like motorcycles are sinful. They are wrong. Do not ever ride a motorcycle. (laughs) And I'm like saying this to my son. I'm like, buddy, do not ever get a motorcycle. (laughs) This is a terrible idea. But scripture doesn't say that. Scripture doesn't say motorcycle riding is a sin, right? But clearly this man's actions were foolish, right? And the result that it produced was nearly death. And so if we look at things through the lens of wisdom and foolishness, we're less likely to make laws for ourselves, and we're more likely to draw near to God to ask him, what will bring life? What will bring peace? Where can I get these benefits that Psalm 103 speaks of? How can I receive them? It's through drawing near to him and acquiring the wisdom that he pours out on us without finding fault. Um, And I think that one of the misconceptions is that wisdom comes only with age. So you cannot be wise unless you are aged. Or wisdom comes only if you're educated. Um, But I've seen that not to be true experientially, but also the scriptures don't speak like that, right? In Psalm 119, David says, I know more than the aged because I love your law. So wisdom comes from the Lord. It's a grace. 
He pours it out on us, and it's only from him. I used to define wisdom in my head as understanding that comes from experience. And you can cross that out, because actually what the scriptures say is that wisdom is understanding that comes from God. He speaks it to us, and we say, yes, that is true. And as you read through Proverbs, and I hope that you would after this as many times as you can, I feel like it's like water, especially living in Manhattan. I'm like, I want to understand what I'm seeing <laughs> like, and teach my kids what is going on here. <laughs> and Proverbs explains it. And so you read through, and every verse, you say, yes, that's true, that's true. And it's not prescriptive, it's not a promise, like maybe a proverb that we know the most is, um, train your child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So we can't take that scripture and say, that's a promise, if I baptize my child, if I make them have quiet times every morning, they will be a believer, and they will go to heaven. It's not a promise, it's just, but it's true. Like, what you're raised up in, you continue in. Um, So that's how we should look at Proverbs through the lens of, this is true, and it thinks. Um, And for us to see that the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. In order for us to look to what he says and want to understand it, we need to know that he is God. And what he's saying is right and true. And we need to fear him um, because he's wise. So, um, are you guys familiar with Proverbs 8? Proverbs 8 is beautiful. Um, And many theologians think, um, we're not going to read it yet, thank you, that that Proverbs 8 is an embodiment of Christ, that Christ embodies Proverbs 8. So as you're reading through it in the Old Testament, it's kind of like a theophany, like an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, because Jesus embodies it so beautifully. Um, And as we know, if Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom and he's walking amongst us here on earth and the crowds are flocking to him, they're pressing in on him, they're staying and waiting for days without food, hanging on to his every word, wanting to be near, imagine Jesus calling out to the crowds in the words of Proverbs 8, 23 through 36, saying, Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself, and all those who hate me love death. We see this, right? He who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself, and all those who hate me love death. So as we're looking through scripture and we're seeing life through the lens of wisdom and foolishness instead of just right and wrong, we can also see that righteousness and wisdom are synonymous, right? And foolishness and sin are synonymous. And we see this in Romans 1, and I didn't um, send you guys these scriptures, so it won't be up on the screen. But Romans 1.21 says, Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image in the form of corruptible man 
and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts and to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And then down below in verse 32, was it's listing out sin, saying they're foolish, faithless, heartless, rootless, ruthless. This word foolishness, you see it a lot through scripture, and it's usually in a list of sins that you'll find it. But we see that a root of idolatry here in Romans 1 is foolishness. Saying, professing to be wise, and, but instead becoming a fool. Because we're not actually fearing God. We're not saying, this is God. This is who he is. We're saying, oh no, these things are God. I will run to these things for refuge. I will worship these things. So we see how foolishness and sin and separation and idolatry are all kind of synonymous and interconnected and woven together. But where we see wisdom and righteousness and nearness to God and beautiful, intimate worship with him, those things are all woven together. So, again, I would encourage you to read through Proverbs 8 to see how being near to Jesus and being near to wisdom are synonymous. And as you're reading through Proverbs, every time it says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding, seek it as silver and gold and fine jewels, be thinking, acquire more of Christ. Seek Christ as gold and silver because they're synonymous and Christ embodies that wisdom. And something else about the wisdom narrative that I feel like is helpful is that it takes us and helps us understand life after justification, if you will. So we have, we know that God has saved us. He seated us in the heavenly places with Christ. He knew us before the foundation of the world. He saved us, Revelation says. So there was this moment that God saved our souls. He made us, he declared us righteous. It's historical. He died on the cross. Justification. And then we see as we're living the rest of our lives, and the older I get, the more I, I feel like life really is so precious. And you see, um, you want the length of your days to be full of blessing and nearness to him. And that's sanctification. And you see wisdom woven throughout that sanctification. So to help us understand that sanctification and wisdom and the benefits of wisdom that God gives us throughout the rest of our life, I'm going to use the whiteboard. So feel free to, to take notes. Um, my son Calvin is seven. No, he just turned eight. He just said his eighth birthday. And he loves architecture. Thinks it's fascinating. Particularly buildings and bridges. He's fascinated by it. So he's been like building Empire State Buildings since he was little. My apartment faces the Empire State Building, which is really cool for him and kind of a grace to my son. So life is you're building on this foundation here of salvation. This justification that we talked about. This is the foundation, and I really should have checked this stat, but do you guys know how deep the 
foundation of the Empire State Building is. I think it's as, like, half as deep as it is tall. It's wild. Just thinking that as we're building on in our life, we're building with wisdom, we're building with things that don't perish. We don't want anything when we're in heaven to be perished. Um, it can, we can only build as strong and firmly as our foundation is. So our understanding of how God has saved us, the depth of what he's done for us, that needs to grow deeper and more firm. And we need to stand firm there as we build. But as we're building on it with our life, what are we building with? How are we building? Um, And I would argue that what the scriptures say is that we should build on that foundation with wisdom. And as you're building on it with wisdom, you actually receive all the benefits that we try to get through every other means. And so let's look at these scriptures now. We'll start with Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 26. This is going to be a lot of scripture, so feel free to take notes as we read. And I'm going to write down, oh, sorry guys. I'll write down all the things that um, wisdom benefits us with Thanks, friend. <laughs> as we read through. Okay, so Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace it will add to you. So we have long life and peace. Comes from wisdom. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you'll find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and men. So we have favor, good reputation, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Straight paths. And then, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Be healing to your body. Healing. And refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So we have plenty of resources. And this isn't just you'll have plenty of bread. Saying you'll have plenty of wine. This is like pleasure and fun. Um, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For who the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects a son in whom he delights. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. How blessed. A blessing. Her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. It's better than riches, and nothing you desire compares with her. All those things that in the New Testament says will burn away, the gold and the jewels and the silver, we see that wisdom does not burn away, right? It's better. Long life is in her right hand, we see it again. In her left hand are riches and honor. We get blessing, and more specifically, riches and honor. 
Her ways are pleasant ways, and hollow paths are peace, so we see peace again. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. So happiness. Which is synonymous with blessing, right? Then verse 21. My son, do not let them vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so there will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. So no fear. That's a big one. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So now let's go back one more chapter to chapter 2 to see more benefits of wisdom. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. If you cry for discernment, if you lift your voice for understanding, how how many of you have actually wept for wisdom? I don't think I have. Um, If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Here we have, he's a shield. Guarding the paths of justice. He's a shield, he guards us. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. And then you will discern righteousness and judgment. If you want to know what is right and wrong, you get wisdom to understand it. And equity in every good course. If you want to know what is equality, what is goodness, what's right, what's just, oh boy, <coughs> look for wisdom. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you and uh, understanding will watch over you. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the path of brightness and walk in the way of darkness. So it protects us, right? So under fear, you can write protection. <coughs> and so now let's turn to Psalm 8. Oh, thank you. You guys are so welcoming and wonderful. <laughs> mm. Okay. So now let's turn to Proverbs 8, and we'll see this beauty of Christ here. Now think of Jesus on the hill, calling out. Does not wisdom call, and understanding lift her voice? On top of the heights beside the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates at the opening of the city, at the entrance of the door, she cries out, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. So do you see the pursuit of God here? Where in James we see that if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask, right? We are able to ask. But we see Jesus pursuing us 
saying, listen, I want to give you that wisdom. So there's a pursuit. We don't have to earn this, right? For my mouth will utter truth. The wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There's nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So again here, you're seeing how righteousness and wisdom are synonymous. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than the choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. And then let's skip down to 14. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I'm understanding power is mine. That's kind of amazing. So we see there's power with wisdom. Counsel and sound, sound wisdom. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. So we have love here. Riches and honor are with me. You saw that, right? Again. Enduring wealth and righteousness. And then again it says, my fruit is better than gold, even pure gold. And my yield is better than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that I might fill their treasuries. So let's look at this list. What else do we want besides these things? Honestly. And how, how, what do we do and what things do we worship and strive for in order to receive them? I think one of the ways we try to get these things is by making a law. And that's like, you're not really building the entire state building, you're just like going around it. So with a law. So you're a little bit afraid. You don't want to be hurt. You don't want your children to be hurt. You don't want to see pain in their life. So you make a law. You say, don't do this, do do this. Instead of letting wisdom pour into your mind and your heart and praying and speaking wisdom over your children so they might understand. And there should be no fear in us because we fear the Lord instead of making a law. Or another way that we do this is um, we just work. We work a lot. We really want blessing. We want riches and honor. We work a lot. We, um, we fear man. We try to get their approval. We want a good reputation. We want honor. We want to be happy. We really want favor. And so we work really hard and we prove ourselves and we, um, we try to attain these things by our own actions instead of God pouring wisdom on us so that we might act as he does, near to him, intimate with him, and there, from there we receive all these things that we want. Um, I just think that this is groundbreaking. And I hope that it is for you. 
and it would be for your families and in your homes, that you might more and more have God open your eyes to ways that you've tried to build on top of the foundation of Jesus Christ's salvation that is not like withdrawing near to him. Because I understand why we do those kinds of things, because we want, we want to attain this. And sometimes as believers, we might say, well, God doesn't want us to have those things. We are, we're dying to ourselves. Instead of seeing that as we die, it's we might have life and all these things that Christ says that we can have in nearness to him. And that's not a prosperity gospel. It's a nearness gospel. We're near to him. And from our nearness to him, we receive blessing. We're happy. We're content. Um, we're able to walk and see what is right and wrong and just and unjust. Um, so our hope for us, my hope for us is that we would really see wisdom as that precious. We see that in Proverbs 4. Um, where it says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace and present you with a crown of beauty. It's just such beautiful imagery that the scriptures give us. So here we see also how God really is our refuge. Over and over again in Proverbs, we see how wisdom keeps us from being afraid, guards us as a shield because it's Christ in us and we're near to God. And we're not fearing circumstance or people, but we are fearing God. And so over and over, the scriptures say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so as you fear things in this life, take that off and put on the fear of God. Because oftentimes what we're afraid of is that we won't get these things, right? We won't attain this, um, but instead we see as we fear God, he pours out his benefits on us. We see that all over scripture as we're near to him. And I would argue that unless you've made him your refuge, unless you run to him to um, receive all of his benefits, then you will try to attain his benefits elsewhere, right? And that in itself is the embodiment of foolishness. It's what we read in Romans 1, right? It's idolatry, it's foolishness, it's going to something else instead of intimacy with the Lord. So again, the ways that we do this is making rules or rituals our salvation, thinking if I've done this right, I'm safe. Um, we develop saving practices that are not rooted in faith in Christ. I see this a lot with careers and in parenting. You say, I've done this before and it worked. This saved me in this situation, so I will do it again. And you give advice like that, right? Instead of drawing near to God and seeing what he says is right and good, and then um, giving people wise advice like the sage woman wisdom from our own nearness to God. Or like we said, we work really hard and we try to attain these things for ourselves, which essentially makes ourselves God, right? We're saying, I am God, 
I will fix it. <laughs> Which is so silly. Instead of drawing near to God. And so what this feels like, that's, those are things that we do. What this feels like is it feels like fear. It feels like fear of man. It feels like fear of failure. It feels like fear of circumstance. Um, it feels like loving these things rather than loving God. Where we want to love the nearness that we are to him instead of loving all these things we just listed here. And it also feels like pride instead of thankfulness. Because if we've attained these things, if by God's grace he's given you long life that you've had so far, and peace, there's peace in your home and in your hearts and in your career, what that could feel like if we're not drawing near to God and seeing wisdom and nearness to him as our good, is that could feel like pride instead of a thankfulness. So those are like trigger feelings that you can ask yourself in your heart as you feel those things. Am I drawing near to God? Am I building with wisdom? Or am I building with things that will perish? And am I drawing near to myself? Psalm 34:22 says, The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Okay. So how do we get it? How do we get this wisdom that we see has these benefits that we are wanting and seeking after? We get it by drawing near. Right? And we see in Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, that Christ says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. He can sympathize. He is one who has been tempted in all things and are yet without sin. He was tempted in the same ways that we are, to want these things, these benefits, rather than wanting nearness to God. He was tempted. So therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We can always be asking him for more and more grace. But how should we ask for wisdom? We can because of the grace of Christ. But how can we is with great unction and with great faith. We should be crying out to him for it. Um, we see this in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We don't earn it. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So as we ask for wisdom and we are patiently waiting for it, let's not doubt that he will not give it. Let's be confident that he will. Um, let's desire the fruit of the spirit of patience as we wait on him as much as we want the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace. Let's want patience as we wait on him and as we ask. And then Proverbs 2, again, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. We can cry for it. We can seek it as silver and search for it as his hidden treasures. And as we do that, we'll see what a safe refuge our God is and how his benefits can be given to us through faith and by his great grace. And so now we're going to move into the breakout session time where you guys have your groups. And I have some questions for you to talk through, jumping off of what we spoke about here. Um, and this is an opportunity for us to really be completely 
honest. Because of the grace of God, and because of the salvation that is secure, this foundation that is deep and strong and unmoving, because of his grace, we can confess boldly um, things that we want that are not him. And as we confess it, then what does Christ say? He says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse, of, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. As we bring it into the light, then we can see it. And then we can say, I don't want that. <laughs> I want to be near to God instead. So which of the benefits of wisdom do you want the most? As you see this list and as you're reading through the scriptures that we just talked about, which of these things you're like, I want that. And I'm really trying to get it in these ways. Instead of seeing how that thing that you want from wisdom is actually gained by drawing near to God. So what else are you trying to seek this benefit from outside the nearness of God? And you can take that opportunity to repent of that false worship and return to him. Right away, we have that opportunity. Um, and like you said, repentance is such a kindness to us. And so the next question, in what areas of your life have you made rules or rituals your salvation, your refuge? rather than fearing the Lord and walking in wisdom. What are those rules and rituals that you make for yourself? Pray that God will reveal them to you. And then the third, unless you've made God your refuge, you will not tell about his works. So what saving practices do you tell others about? How can you find your refuge and salvation in the Lord instead of those things? And thinking through, what things have I told people will save them and help them and give them these things that we've listed here? And how instead is I see that God is actually the giver of all those things and in drawing near to him is where I find my refuge and salvation, then you can easily in conversation and continually in conversation point to the cross and to ask people, in the, um, as wisdom does, with this great unction to draw near to God. The benefits you're looking for are in him. Um, So let me pray for us, and then you guys can go to your groups. God, I ask that this, um, God, you've made these women wise already. God, they want to understand. They are drawing near to you, and they hear your words, and they are saying, yes, I believe it. I want it. God, I pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit on them and that you would reveal to them ways where they have been seeking um, other things to save them besides you. God, I pray that you would really be their refuge today and that you would um, burn the experience into their hearts of what it's like to seek you as a refuge and find their safety entirely in you. And God, I pray that you would uh, set us free from silly things that um, are not going to last. So that instead we might build on this firm foundation that you've given us of your salvation that we did nothing to earn, but you gave us. Um, which things will bring you glory and bring us nearer to you. So God, please draw us nearer to you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
Thank you. Um, thank you, Amber, for those words. Uh, just some things that I took away from what you were sharing is um, I, I really appreciated what you said, that wisdom is understanding that comes from God, not from experience. I think that, that the common belief is that, you know, you're wise, like wise beyond your years, or, you know, the gray hairs on your head show how wise you are. Not true. Um, <laughs> but why, wisdom is understanding that comes from God. That's, that's really something that stuck with me. And also the point that you brought about right and wrong versus wise and foolish. I think that that's excellent. That's so true because there's so many gray areas, especially with my kids. It's like, no, that's not necessarily wrong, but it's just not a good idea. You know, and how do I explain that to them that it's not so much just black and white? That, that was really helpful. And how seeking wisdom draws us near to God as opposed to just making up rules that are right and wrong. And then you don't even know how to explain it to your kids why one thing versus another. It, it was very helpful. Now, some brief announcements before we break.